What Trump and MAGA are up against in 2024. The Democrats, the FBI, and the October Surprise. This election year promises to be one long October surprise as the newly weaponized legal system and Department of Justice go to unprecedented and extraordinary lengths not to stop Trump, but to damage him enough that one of the least popular presidents in history can once again be dragged over the finish line in November. It's so blatantly corrupt, it's hard to believe it's actually happening. Whether you like Trump as a person or plan to vote for him or not, there should be no question that the damage done to this country and its institutions in the effort to bring down Trump has been far more destructive, divisive, and harmful than a second Trump term could ever be. Some have suggested that the regime might take the inevitable last step to remove Trump from public life permanently. I don't think they'll go that far. Trump is worth more alive than dead. The Democrats have more power now than they've had since before the Civil War. Since then, they haven't had the opportunity to build the kind of empire they wanted. Thanks to the threat of Trump and the rise of extreme wealth on the left, that dream is now a reality. They control almost everything, almost. The one thing or person they can't control is Trump. They can't control what he says or what he does. No matter how hard they hit him, he refuses to stand down. The solution to the Trump problem is the same today as it was in 2016. Offer the people something better. Instead, we've seen otherwise decent Americans turn into monsters, consumed by hatred, with an unending hunger to watch Trump and MAGA suffer. So it must be a sick burn that Trump is beating Biden in the polls by 4.3% as of today. For podcast listeners, a poll from Real Clear Politics, general election, Trump versus Biden. Trump up by 47.3, Biden at 43. We've already seen what the systematic dehumanization campaign has done to American citizens, smeared as racists and fascists by the angry mob the left has become, leading to justified violence against them. Overnight, all-out brawls outside the Trump rally in San Jose, California. Trump supporters harassed, beaten, and bloodied by mobs of protesters. They were like spitting on me and stuff. This man says he was sucker punched, his clothes torn off his back. Seven more people just come in and start punching me. Carl, I look pretty bad. This lone female Trump supporter tried to stand her ground. Her sign torn from her hands, her glasses ripped off, then shoved in her face. A woman wearing a Trump jersey cornered and then egged in the face. Nazis go home! Fights breaking out in the streets all over the convention. Inside, Trump spoke to a large... They refused to accept Trump's win and waged a revolutionary coup to protest his election. Trump's win ignited riots, violence, and chaos at Trump's inaugural, with people chanting, not my president. Good morning. Well, buildings with Trump's name on them became beacons for thousands of protesters angry over the results of this election. Divisions exposed by a hostile presidential race were on full display last night. In cities across the country, thousands took to the streets to voice their outrage over the election of Donald Trump. The people united. 
we saw crowds actually being disruptive. And On the West Coast, protesters set fires and faced off with police. In Los Angeles, hundreds ran onto Interstate 101, temporarily shutting it down. That's total gridlock on the 101. More than a dozen people were arrested there. Trump has tapped into something very deep and dark and evil in our country, and now we're all going to pay. Up to 10,000 people packed the streets of Midtown Manhattan, holding anti-Trump signs and blocking traffic. About 65 people were arrested near Trump Tower, mostly for disorderly conduct. And while there were some calls for unity... I think we have a new president, we should all unify and rally around President Trump. They were drowned out by frustration and fury. He's a racist, homophobic, xenophobic nightmare, misogynist nightmare, and he doesn't represent the values that I know to be American values. If he actually cared about us, he would be bringing us all together. Not my president! Chants of not my president stretched from Kansas City to Seattle. Thousands gathered outside right. Chicago's Trump Tower where demonstrators shut down streets. He is dividing us. He's dividing minorities. He is dividing women. He's dividing gays. He is dividing the very social fabric of this world. In New Orleans, they burned a doll in Trump's image. I am what some people would call a conservative. We cannot give up the United States of America for Donald Trump. And Trump Tower is now lined with sanitation trucks filled with sand as a protective barrier for this building. We should note there are more protests expected tonight and through the weekend in cities like Cincinnati and Indianapolis. Nora. All right, Michelle. Thank What's worrisome is the FBI's involvement in our elections of late, not just to attempt to frame Trump as a Russian asset in 2016, but to radicalize lost men to present to the American public just before the 2020 election. No one has ever proved the FBI was involved, and they steadfastly deny it. But come on, how stupid do they think we are? The October surprise gone wrong. The Access Hollywood tape wasn't supposed to be the October surprise in 2016. A far more sinister plot was brewing involving Fusion GPS, Carter Page, and a handful of well-placed journalists to sell the lie to the American public that Trump was a Russian asset. From Lee Smith's The Permanent Coup, quote, Fusion GPS had several stories lined up. Franklin Foer was on the Alpha Bank story for Slate. David Korn was working with Steele on a big piece about Carter Page from Mother Jones. Steele was also speaking with the Financial Times' Catherine Belton for a Sergey Millian article. Most important, the New York Times' Eric Lichtblau and Stephen Lee Myers were reporting an article about the FBI's investigation of Trump. Taken together, the press reports about Alpha Bank, Millian, and Page, the Bureau's investigations, and what the FISA warrant was destined to uncover would combine for a powerful explosive force scheduled to detonate at the end of October, the 31st to be exact, Halloween, eight days before the election. That was the day the Earth was supposed to open and swallow the Trump campaign. But Crossfire Hurricane came up empty. They obtained the FISA warrant October 21st, allowing them to sort through the Trump campaign's contemporaneous communications, as well as any past communications that still existed. 
they'd been helpful to find some Russia-related dirt. They would have settled for anything to frame Trump. They found nothing. And now they were exposed. Once the FBI drilled a dry hole, they wanted to get out of it as soon as possible, says Devin Nunes. When the October surprise blew up in their face, they were all in legal jeopardy, end quote. To make matters worse, on October 18th, the FBI was called out by the Washington Post's Josh Rogan for special treatment of Hillary Clinton, name-checking James Comey specifically. Perhaps in response, on October 28th, James Comey announced they would be investigating Huma Abedin's laptop for yet more lost-and-found Hillary emails. A blockbuster, double-barreled October surprise from FBI Director James Comey. He is investigating Hillary Clinton and her server again after new emails emerged, according to an FBI source, from the separate sexting investigation of former Congressman Anthony Weiner, husband of Huma Abedin, Clinton's top aide, who was interviewed by the FBI during phase one of their investigation. Comey firing off a new letter to stunned members of Congress. Quote, I am writing to inform you that the investigative team briefed me on this yesterday, and I agreed that the FBI should take appropriate investigative steps designed to allow investigators to review these emails to determine whether they contain classified information as well as to assess their importance to our investigation. Comey was under intense pressure after declining in July to press charges against Clinton despite kicking off an extraordinary news conference by suggesting she did in fact mishandle classified information. Although there is evidence of potential violations of the statutes regarding the handling of classified information, our judgment is that no reasonable prosecutor would bring such a case. Beyond being a criminal problem for Clinton, she has been suffering political damage ever since a March 2015 news conference, where she made a series of promises to the American people that turned out to be false. There is no classified materials. Comey's probe, though, has been clouded by former President Bill Clinton meeting privately with Attorney General Loretta Lynch on an airplane, and President Obama suggesting in multiple interviews that Clinton did not violate any laws. Can you still say that? I continue to believe that she has not jeopardized America's national security. Today, the president had no comment. Mr. President, in a reaction to the FBI reopening the investigation into Clinton's email server, is she fit to serve? As for demands by the Clinton camp that the FBI release more information tonight, a senior law enforcement source is telling us they have no Not only did Hillary's October surprise go bust, but now Trump was the beneficiary of an unintended but effective October surprise, courtesy of the FBI. Good afternoon. I'd like to say a few words and then take your questions. I have now seen Director Comey's letter to Congress. We are 11 days out from perhaps the most important national election of our lifetimes. Voting is already underway in our country. So the American people deserve to get the full and complete facts immediately. The director himself has said he doesn't know whether the emails referenced in his letter are significant or not. I'm confident, whatever they are, will not change the conclusion. The failure of Crossfire Hurricane meant that the Access Hollywood tape was the most damaging dirt they could find on Trump heading into the election. But now the FBI was more determined than ever to help stop or thwart Trump's re-election in 2020. While the Democrats and their well-funded cabal were busy rigging the election, the FBI had well-placed informants going fishing online 
looking for lost men desperate for some kind of purpose and meaning to their forgotten lives. The FBI informants would deliver extremists just before the election to scare voters to the polls. And here they were, right on time. Note the date, October 10, 2020. The alleged plot nightmarish. Earlier today, Attorney General Dana Nessel was joined by officials from the Department of Justice and the FBI to announce state and federal charges against 13 members of two militia groups who were preparing to kidnap and possibly kill me. The FBI and state police seen here raiding a home and detaining an individual took action after the men met this week to exchange tactical gear and to pool their money to allegedly buy explosives. The mission, attack the governor before election day. Authorities claim the planning was months in the making, with the men even going to the governor's vacation home twice to conduct surveillance. Two of the suspects allegedly had a plan to create a diversion. Discussed detonating explosive devices to divert police from the area of the home. This is a highly dangerous group. They were well armed, they were training, they had a plan, uh, and they were prepared to carry out their attack. According to the FBI, the men were apparently angry because of Governor Whitmer's restrictions during the coronavirus pandemic, including those on gyms. Tensions have been high in Michigan for weeks, with militia members, some of them armed, at one point descending on the State House last spring, intimidating lawmakers. The FBI infiltrated and wiretapped one of the groups after getting a tip that the men were allegedly plotting against police and planning to attack the state capitol in an attempt to overthrow the government. With an informant listening in, they call Whitmer a tyrant. One of the suspects saying, snatch and grab the governor. Just grab the expletive. They allegedly wanted to take her to a secret location in Wisconsin for a trial, a trial that would end in execution. All of us in Michigan can disagree. The Gretchen Whitmer kidnapping would prove a useful dress rehearsal for the same kind of plot that would unfold on January 6th of 2021. It wasn't an October surprise, but it was another chance to prove to the American public that the people they had to fear the most were their fellow Americans and their MAGA flags. A well-funded cabal and the October surprise. One of the ways the Democrats would fortify their resistance heading into 2020 was to anticipate Trump's planned October surprise, the Hunter Biden laptop. There was even a practiced table read with journalists from the Washington Post, per Matt Taibbi in the Twitter files. Pressuring Twitter and Facebook to censor the laptop story was also part of the plan in the weeks heading into the election. The expectations of a hack and leak operation were discussed throughout 2020, and he was told they would occur in a period shortly before the 2020 presidential election, likely in October. And finally, he said, I also learned in these meetings that there were rumors that a hack and leak operation would involve Hunter Biden. So what did the government tell him? A hack and leak operation was coming. How often did the government tell him this? Repeatedly for a year. When did the government say it was going to happen? October of 2020. And who did the government say it would involve? Hunter Biden. Now think about it. Government had no evidence of any intrusions, no evidence of a hack and leak, yet for a year they tell Twitter that a hack and leak is coming, it's coming in October, and it will involve Hunter Biden. No evidence, but the FBI knows what's going to happen, when it's going to happen, and who it's going to involve. Now that's amazing. 
That is amazing to me. Maybe, I mean, maybe they get the time right. We're kind of used to October surprises every four years. So maybe they get the time right, but they got the time, they got the method, and they got the person. That's amazing. It's almost like these guys were clairvoyant. How did they know? How did they know? Maybe it's because they had the laptop and they had had it for a year. They had the laptop, they knew it wasn't hacked, but that's not what they told Twitter. They didn't tell Twitter that information and Twitter believed, frankly, everything they said. In those weekly meetings, the FBI had built a cozy relationship with this tech company and others as well, we believe. Emails between the FBI and Twitter began with the greeting, hey, Twitter folks. Emails that asked Twitter to take down accounts and limit visibility of tweets. The FBI handed out security clearance to folks at Twitter. They communicated with Twitter on the secret teleporter app where messages disappear after a certain length of time. And of course, they paid Twitter $3.4 million. In addition, on August 6, 2020, the FBI briefed Senators Grassley and Johnson, and according to the Senator's testimony, last month in front of this committee, the briefing was bogus and done so someone could go leak that the briefing had happened and undermine the Senator's investigation. In September of 2020, a government-funded think tank gets involved. They do a tabletop exercise. The participants include the New York Times, the Washington Post, and other mainstream media outlets. Facebook is there. Mr. Roth of Twitter is there. The organizer was the former CEO of NPR and the former head of news at Twitter. The mock exercise is hosted by the Aspen Institute. The Aspen Institute, which by the way, in 2020, their budget was $9.3 million. $5 million from the State Department, $4 million from USAID. Almost all their budget. Guess the title. Guess the title of this exercise. The Aspen Digital Hack and Dump Working Group. And guess who the subject was? Guess who the subject was? Hunter Biden. The enormous reach of the Democratic Party was evident when the experts were trotted out to lie about the laptop as Russian disinformation. Note the date, October 10, 2020. Hunter Biden's story is Russian disinfo, dozens of former intel officials say. More than 50 former intelligence officials signed a letter casting doubt on the provenance of a New York Post story on the former vice president's son. Even now, none of them have any shame at all lying to the American public, censoring a legitimate news story just to win an election. They have yet to apologize or walk any of it back. Here is a Racket News compilation of Adam Schiff. Congressman Adam Schiff, a Congressman, thanks so much for joining us. Does it surprise you at all that this information Rudy Giuliani is peddling uh, very well could be connected to some sort of Russian government disinformation campaign? We know that this whole uh, smear on Joe Biden uh, comes from the Kremlin. Clearly, the origins of this whole Kremlin smear, the Kremlin are from the Kremlin, the Kremlin and pushing out this Kremlin, Kremlin narrative, Kremlin and the Kremlin, the Kremlin, the Kremlin from the Kremlin, the Kremlin, the Kremlin, Kremlin propaganda, Vladimir Putin, Putin, the Russians, are Russian threat, false smear and smear, the smear is smear. The Russians, the Russians are the Russians. It's really incredible. Congressman Adam Schiff, uh, thank you so much for joining us. What is still so shocking about the Time magazine story of the well-funded cabal that supposedly fortified the 2020 election 
is how certain they were of its outcome. They believed in advance that Trump would accuse them of rigging the election because they knew in advance that Biden would win because they rigged the election in his favor. From Molly Ball's Time, quote, On March 3rd, Podhertzer drafted a three-page confidential memo titled Threats to the 2020 Election. Trump has made it clear that this will not be a fair election, that he will reject anything but his own re-election as fake and rigged, he wrote. On November 3rd, should the media report otherwise, he will use the right-wing information system to establish his narrative and incite his supporters to protest. The memo laid out four categories of challenges, attacks on voters, attacks on election administration, attacks on Trump's political opponents, and efforts to reverse the results of the election. In effect, they were warning of something that they themselves were about to put into motion. They were saying Trump is going to accuse us of rigging the election to justify their rigging of the election. They planned all of this in March. COVID had not yet brought the nation to its knees. George Floyd had not yet been murdered, and Trump had not yet been giving five rallies a day to make his case to the American public. They seem to be coaxing Trump into defying the outcome of the election with their flagrant last-minute rule changes and Michael Teeter's 65 project threatening and harassing any lawyers who might help Trump fight back. And when Trump and MAGA held their Stop the Steal rally, they were walking into yet another trap planned long in advance by both the well-funded cabal and the FBI. So it kind of makes you wonder why they still left the Capitol unprotected, doesn't it? That entire phony effort to fortify the election was all just window dressing so they could fix the results by doing the one thing they've never been able to do in all of their history— close the enthusiasm gap. If Hillary hadn't been able to drive voters to the polls, a billion in dark money could simply collect all of the ballots long before Election Day, no matter who was running. Trump won Iowa, Florida, and Ohio because by now his rallies were having an effect. In city after city, statues were coming down. The extremism rising on the left was too big to ignore. Their only hope was to bank those ballots before voters could change their minds. And that turned out to be the worst thing that could ever happen to them. In America, you have to win elections the old-fashioned way, by convincing voters to vote for you on your own mandate. While Biden was surfing on the fumes of Obama, and by August of 2021, the American people and countries all over the world felt duped. Podcast listeners, a graphic X marks the spot. Real Clear Politics President President Biden job approval showing an X in August of 2021. Things might have turned out differently for Biden if not for the Afghanistan exit. Biden's approvals crashed, revealing for the first time that Biden had no idea what he was doing. Whether it was his age or his arrogance, it led this country into a precarious position globally. Suddenly we looked unstable, weak, and vulnerable. There was only so much the press could do to cover for Biden. They didn't make much of the 13 dead American soldiers, but bodies falling off airplanes was something they couldn't hide. Biden's approval rating has never recovered. 
Because of that, someone in the Biden administration, maybe Biden himself, maybe his former boss, Barack Obama, had no choice but to go full guns blazing at Donald Trump, who was starting to look like a much better option. David DePap and the 2022 midterms. The 2022 election was supposed to be a massive red wave that put MAGA candidates in power. But the truth was, they were walking into yet another trap. The Democrats had spent $60 million to boost MAGA candidates to make them easier to beat. In October of 2022, either someone in the FBI's network of informants was about to deliver big for the Democrats once again, or it was just an unhappy accident. The David DePap break-in has all the earmarks of yet another radicalization by a lost man in the dark corners of America. From the affidavit with an FBI agent, quote, DePap explained that he did not leave after Pelosi's call to 911 because much like the American founding fathers with the British, he was fighting against tyranny without the option of surrender, end quote. Why would David DePap, a Canadian, care about the Founding Fathers? It's also odd that he somehow knew where to go, that there would be no security detail on the residence, and what door to use to break in. Maybe he figured this all out independently and hatched the plan himself, but he seems to have a lot in common with the would-be Whitmer kidnappers. The same absurdly elaborate plot, the same delusions of grandeur, the same poverty-level desperation, a disposable man and a useful idiot. Why are the zip ties always factored in to all of these events? Probably because the mere mention of them creates maximum sustained fear. Whitmer kidnapping, quote, Garbin's plea agreement includes new details in the case, including that the alleged ringleader Adam Fox was preparing the basement where he lived for a kidnapping exercise and planned on using zip ties and a taser to neutralize the governor. January 6th, headlines, Capitol riot suspects who allegedly brought zip ties. Man seen with zip ties. Man seen with zip ties during Capitol riot. Zip tie guy and his mom get prison time for Capitol riot. Nearly five years in prison for the zip tie guy who entered the Capitol. And David DePap, quote, The evidence at trial demonstrated that on the night of the assault, DePap used public transportation to travel from East Bay to San Francisco while carrying two backpacks that contained a hammer, a sledgehammer, duct tape, rope, zip ties, and electronic items, among other items. End quote. None of this means there aren't dangerous people out there who are insane and will do terrible things to innocent people for stupid reasons. We know that's true on both sides of the aisle. The reason the David DePap case is suspicious, at least to me, is the timing. Just before the midterms, Bill Maher said, vote for the party that won't hit you over the head with a hammer. If it was an October surprise, it was an effective one. The Democrats blunted the red wave. But despite that, they failed once again to stop Trump and MAGA. What they don't realize is that MAGA is here to stay. Even if Trump wasn't the nominee, the movement is gaining strength, and they're in it for the long haul. They love this country too much to leave it to a political party that has assumed power that never belonged to them. As 2024 marches on, 
Don't forget that October is coming. Don't forget the FBI are still working with the Democrats as a make-good for 2016. Don't forget they are willing to demonize and exploit their own citizens. Don't forget they could be anywhere. Thank you for listening to my podcast, sashastone.substack.com. And I want to thank you for all of the nice emails that came my way for after I posted uh, about a mean email that I had received. It warmed my heart to hear from so many of you. I couldn't write back to everybody, but I certainly read all of the emails. So thank you very much. And remember, to thine own self, be true. Don't you know? Talking about a revolution with the sounds and a whisper. Don't you know? Talking about a revolution with the sounds and a whisper. While they're standing in the welfare lines, crying at the doorsteps of those armies of salvation, wasting time in the unemployment lines, sitting around. Waiting for a promotion, don't you know? They're talking about a revolution. It sounds like Poor people gonna rise up and get their share. Poor people gonna rise up and take what's theirs. Don't you know you better run, 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 run? Talking about a revolution. Yes, finally the tables are starting to turn. Talking about a revolution. Oh, oh no. Talking about a revolution. Oh, oh, while they're standing in the welfare lines. Crying at the doorsteps of those armies of salvation. Wasting time in the unemployment lines. Sitting around. Waiting for a promotion, don't you know? They're talking about a revolution, it sounds like a whisper. And finally, the tables are starting to turn. Talking about a revolution, yes, finally, the tables are starting to turn. Talking about a revolution, oh no. Talking about a revolution, oh no. Talking about a revolution, oh, oh.